0: Hey there, welcome to the Collide Podcast. This is Willow Weston, the founder and director of Collide. And I'm so glad you hopped on if you're a regular subscriber. I love that we get to hang out with each other every single week and hear powerful stories about God showing up and colliding with our lives. It's so awesome to hear the ways that He's working in other people's lives, knowing that it's possible that He can show up in ours as well. And so I'm hoping that that's what you're getting from this podcast. If you love it, and you want to check out all the other resources that our ministry has, make sure you go to our website at wecollide.net and check it out. We have blog posts and digital downloads and online courses and printed Bible studies, events and conferences, so many things to uh, invite you to Collide with Jesus. So check that out. Today, I'm about to hand you an interview with Derek Archer. I've known Derek for decades now, and have so much respect for him and his family. He's a leader, an entrepreneur, an investor, builder, developer, consultant, writer, and coach. He's a husband, he's a dad, he's a coffee lover, a sports fan, he has a shoe obsession. In this podcast conversation, we talked about so many things, but in this time at Christmas, we really leaned into the idea of Emmanuel, God with us. And I love so much how Derek shared from his own perspective personal story, a powerful, powerful way that God showed up in his life, even before Derek really believed in God and knew God well and was following after Jesus, and invited him into this amazing moment of surrender. He's very vulnerable in this interview and so honest, and I think it will meet you where you're at. We spent so much time talking about the manual, and I love that Derek invited us into this ridiculousness of God in a good way. This idea that God is so great, it's ridiculous. So I hope that His ridiculousness surprises you in this conversation. Check it out. Derek it's so fun to have you on the podcast today and I thought that there'd be no better way to start than talking to you about your shoe obsession okay (laughs) how long have you had one what is it I mean we're talking about Christmas today are you buying everyone in your family shoes uh I've
1: I've got uh yeah actually um I've got pairs for uh my family, but I think they'll listen to this. So surprise.
0: Oh, shoot. shoot.
1: Yeah.
0: Surprise. Yep. Why are you obsessed with shoes? I mean, you don't hear a lot of guys being obsessed with shoes.
1: Oh, man. Uh, Well, you're just, well, we're starting there. Uh, I don't know. I'll wear a, p- a $12 pair of Costco jeans, but I feel like if I got a good pair of shoes on, I can just, you know anywhere. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I've just been a t-shirt and jeans and shoe shoe guy. But the the obsession that you're probably talking about is tied into my youngest daughter, Devin, who uh, is obsessed uh, with sneakers and a sneaker head. And so I moved uh, specifically from all types of stylish shoes into Jordans. And um, there's an entire subculture there. And I've been able to meet a lot of people that I would have, wouldn't have would have met otherwise, uh, simply talking about our love of shoes. So it's been something fun to do with, with Devin. And then uh, my other daughter, Chloe, at home, uh, has, has, uh, has kind of picked up on it as well. And uh, Christina's even asking about, you know, what, what, what she can slide into. And uh, so we're helping her find her fit, you know?
0: Oh my gosh. I, I think you have a right to have an accessory that you love. I love that you talk about your $12 Costco jeans. Cause it reminds me of Rob, my husband who, you know, who will just like roll into Costco or any other store, find one pair of pants and then just say, I'll take one in every color. Yeah. Like that's, that's his realtor pants, right? Like that's yeah. how he rocks.
1: Yeah. Let's shopping. go. Let's go. Yeah. More, more money for shoes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I asked you to hop on here on purpose. In the Christmas season, I've watched you minister in our community for decades now, and you've served as a pastor for a really long time. So I know that that's a lot of Christmases where you have done the work of inviting other people to lean into Advent, to the Emmanuel, to the Christmas story year after year after year. How many years have you been? In ministry,
1: well, goodness, uh, actually, this month is uh, 30 years following Jesus, and uh, so that was kind of a big celebration for me. But uh, shortly after that, I started working uh, in campus ministry, and uh, so it's been about 25 years in uh, ministry, and um, yeah, some at the campus ministry level, some at a pastor at a local church.
0: Mm, wow, so that's a lot of Christmases. Does the Christmas story ever get old to you?
1: Never, never gets old. No, I, um, I'm actually quite fascinated about the idea that God uh, would choose to come as a baby, and that's tied into my own personal story. Uh, but, but what's interesting is while while it never gets old, there's tremendous tension for pastors around Christmas, because everybody's speeding up and it's just hectic and crazy and you want everything to go perfect perfectly and, you know, buy all the right stuff or figure out, uh, you know, how you're bringing the family together and, and this message of just ridiculous peace uh, coming into the world and really uh, upending our lives and wanting to show uh, how how we can uh, know God tangibly and live differently is uh, the incredible message uh, that we see through the Incarnation and uh, that we're trying to help people find in the midst of this crazy season.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that you describe it as a ridiculous piece. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, I wouldn't say that I started there, but... Uh, uh, and and that probably ties in. Could I tell a little bit about the the impact of the incarnation?
0: I would love that.
1: Okay, so I uh, part of my story is um, I grew up in a very non Christian family and uh, didn't didn't really know much about Jesus at all. And and had friends say like, "Hey, do you want to uh, believe that Jesus died on the cross for you?" And I couldn't understand um, the value of the cross because I didn't understand the value of the person on the cross. Uh, I had actually experienced, um, some, some close death. Uh, my dad took his own life when I was 11 and, uh, he, he had lost, uh, his grandfather and two brothers within uh, consecutive years who had all died pretty tragically. So I grew up with this narrative of tragic death and I didn't understand how the tragic death of Jesus on the cross, uh, could do anything for me until I started looking into uh, the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the fact that Jesus came in flesh and and that he experienced uh, temptation, that he experienced pain, that he experienced difficulty. And uh, it was looking into that that made uh, the death on the cross uh, tangible and important because the person on the cross was tangible and present.
0: Wow, that's I. I am sorry to hear about your dad, Derek. I actually didn't know that, and I appreciate you sharing that. It's it's crazy. I've never really thought about this idea that you bring up—that you didn't really value the the cross because you didn't yet understand the value of the person on the cross. That's a fascinating idea. I'm wondering, cause I just don't want to skip over it. When you rewind back to being that 11 year old kid, how do you think that tragic loss shaped you?
1: Well, uh, actually it, it, it completely ruined me, devastated me. Uh, I was full of shame. I felt like, um, you know, my dad would rather die than be my dad. Uh, we had people trying to speak into our lives and as much as they try and tell you that it wasn't your fault, uh, they're the way that I think the young brain processes pain is always through, uh, your experience. And so what I experienced was tragic loss. And I thought that I, I had something to do with that. So, uh, the, the, the probably biggest emotion I felt was shame. Um, I didn't want anyone to find out about, uh, the, uh, way that my dad died or that my dad had died. Um, and quite honestly, I'd met some uh, Christian kids that said some pretty awful things about it. So I wasn't really interested in uh, the message or the story of Jesus because I just carried this pain uh, that that I wanted to keep that part of my life secret. So at 11, I kind of learned um, who was and wasn't safe uh, I, I learned who who I could or couldn't give my heart to and, and I really kind of I really put some walls up because I, uh, I didn't want to get hurt by someone else in the way that I had been hurt by the abandonment and death of my my own father.
0: You talk about the shame that you carried and almost mentioning there was some self blame or self debasing around what is it about me that would make my dad not want to stick around. How long did you carry that before God started bringing healing into your life?
1: Well, again, I, I didn't really know anything about God and I, I didn't have a way to process that shame at all. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I threw myself into effort, uh, into things that I felt like would affirm me, uh, whether it was, you know, good grades at school or athletics or uh, popularity or a job or, um, you know, in college, uh, just trying to figure out something that, that would look successful And um, I didn't deal with shame until someone gave me a Bible and uh, a a modern translation, which I'd never really seen or read. And I started reading uh, Jesus's invitation to forgive. And I thought, okay, I could never be a follower of Jesus. Because I could never forgive my dad. And, um, but I had, I had, again, massive secrecy, massive shame. And um, th- these messages of forgiveness, this invitation to to not say that what my dad did was okay, but to release him from my desire to repay. And I, I didn't even understand that what I was doing and holding on to this unforgiveness was trying to punish him for uh, the way that he had hurt me and really I was just punishing myself. Um, so the unforgiveness was, uh, escalating and, uh, making the shame greater. And, um, one day after, uh, again, reading and, 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 and what I would now describe as the leading of the Holy spirit. But at the time I didn't know, it just felt like something was prompting me. Um, I, I, uh, went out, um, on the steps of old Maine, which are at, at, college I went to at Western Washington University. And I sat there and I said, God, I don't know, I don't know how this works, but, um, will you put my dad on the line? And again, don't know where my dad was. I just knew that I needed to release him from, uh, the, the, the lack of forgiveness. So I just needed to forgive him. And so I, um, I, I told my dad that I loved him and that I missed him and that I chose to forgive him. And I didn't know uh, what the future held with Jesus. And I wasn't even following Jesus at this point. I just knew that I needed to release uh, this unforgiveness. And uh, when I did, I wept for the first time in almost 10 years. And, um, And what I noticed is that God started to release me from bitterness. God started to release me from anger. God started through this act to release me uh, from shame that had just been uh, part of my identity for so long, I didn't even understand who he was inviting me to be apart from that.
0: That is so powerful. I'm just imagining you sitting on those steps and asking God to put your dad on the line. I mean that's just that's just such a beautiful picture, Derek of. This moment of surrender for you—did you feel like God met you in that moment in a really tangible way? I mean, what proceeded from that moment forward for you? Oh,
1: I—I'd um, <laughs> be lying if I said this wasn't a difficult moment. I was—I was honestly scared to death because I didn't know what was on the on the backside of risk, and and forgiving my dad uh, seemed like a risk I could never take. And um, but yeah, like. Uh, again, I, I, I sent something. Um, and I, I do believe it was it was the Holy Spirit. And um, it, it led me to take this risky step that, that ended up feeling a lot like freedom. And um, the way that this story, I mean, this this opened up a, a complete story. But the way that this ties into the uh, incarnation is that there were parts of Jesus that I couldn't see on the front side of a step to forgive that I started to see after I had chosen forgiveness. And that's pretty critical in my story. There, there was no way that I could see Jesus rightly as long as I was looking at him through the lens of unforgiveness. And then the most tangible way I can explain is God, to me, seemed distant and he seemed cruel. Cool. And as long as I had unforgiveness in my life, I was putting up barriers to, to to my father who had passed away. I was putting up barriers to those that were trying to get close to me. And I was putting up barriers to this unseen God that I hadn't yet learned about. But as soon as I took some of these barriers down, I started to to see uh, relationships around me differently. I started to see and, and be able to receive love a little differently. But then God actually took me in this picture i was praying and i and i really got this picture willow that that um i was i was 11 years old again and i was viewing my 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 dad's body and this was the moment that defined my anger towards god as i felt like god had completely abandoned me and that god was unable to help me and was able to help my dad and in prayer he takes me back to this moment So here I am, I'm looking at myself, looking at my dad, and it is the most painful, hard uh, memory to imagine. And then all of a sudden it zooms out. And again, this is in prayer and, and I haven't had this happen a lot. This isn't a regular occurrence, but I definitely felt like God was leading me in this moment. And as I zoomed out, I could see myself at 11 years old. And then I saw a person who I could only describe as Jesus standing next to me. And what that did for me is it 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 wrecked me it ruined me because i had spent my entire life mad at the idea of god because i felt like he had abandoned me and here all of a sudden god shows me that in my my moment of greatest pain the moment that had 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 rocked my identity and, and 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 shaped uh all all my decisions In that moment where I felt God had abandoned me, God was showing me that Jesus was standing there right beside me.
2: Your mental, spiritual, and emotional health is worth time, energy, and investment. As women, we can sometimes struggle to find the space and time necessary to focus on rejuvenating our minds and our spirits. But the truth is, our health is worth it. The Collide Counseling Bundle is an online course featuring 12 videos of mental health professionals giving their best advice, journals, resources, and so much more to help walk you through the topics that are most relevant to your life, anxiety, broken relationships, body image, and more. We are so thrilled to be making the resources for a sustainable healing journey available for the same investment as what one therapy session typically costs $99. It's time to invest in your healing and wholeness. Learn more at wecollide.net slash counseling bundle.
0: Hmm. Derek, when you think about people listening who have walls up and have experienced trauma and deep wounds and hardship that have made them push others away push god away how would you invite them even where to start to begin to let those walls come down
1: well, I've got friends that are counselors and spiritual directors, and um, they they've talked to me, to me about how they 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 walk people to these these pain points, and uh, they invite people uh, to go to these very difficult moments and ask the Lord where He is, or ask the Lord to see where they were at when they experienced this abandonment, this abuse, this shame, mm-hmm. this pain, and um, I I can't imagine the level of pain that, 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 uh, some of the people listening have, have experienced. I can only say that when I did that, um, Jesus was right there. And again, that meant everything for me. It didn't mean that the, uh, uh, the abuse that I had experienced or the abandonment that I had experienced was okay, but it did mean that, 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 that Jesus was with me. And if I would let him, if I would let go of the broken ways that I was viewing the world and, and see uh, me rightly as, uh, as he wanted to see me, that, that, uh, that I could begin to heal in some ways that I never even thought were imaginable. And I believe that I believe, honestly, that 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 Jesus would meet any person in the midst of their greatest time of brokenness, in the midst of something that has defined them wrongly, in the midst of the ways that others have hurt them and wounded them and 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 and, and abused them. God did not intend that moment to shape a person wrongly. God uh, didn't intend that moment to happen at all. God wants to to uh, heal that person by helping them understand that in spite of 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 the brokenness and the hurtfulness and the harm in this world uh, he is with us and uh, he can heal us and that is is I think the beauty of the Incarnation is God didn't stay up in heaven. Jesus came down and met us exactly where where we're at he knows what we're going through he knows what it is to be betrayed. He knows what it is to be abandoned, and yet he chose to forgive. And there was something so beautiful and redemptive in seeing how he lived out his humanity that invited me to, to live differently.
0: It's, it's really interesting because a few minutes ago, you said, I could never be, you thought in your mind, I could never be a follower of Jesus because, and it was because you couldn't forgive your dad and you thought you had to be forgiving to follow Jesus. And I, I kind of thought that's an interesting statement that I think a lot of people can resonate with. I could never be a follower of Jesus because... Have you seen that over the years in all your ministry of pouring out, pointing people to Jesus, that there's this sort of lie that people believe that they think they couldn't be a follower of Jesus because they kind of, you know, because what? What are the reasons that you've seen over the years?
1: Yeah, not just um, not just a follower, but like a a good follower, Um, you know, so some people disqualify themselves. From the relationship altogether, while others disqualify themselves from the depth of relationship that's possible. And I think both are, are, are equal lies. Obviously, we need to understand uh, the grace that is like the on ramp to the freeway of Jesus. Um, if if we try to exclude ourselves or say that you know I can't I can't get on, on onto the path to the Lord Jesus Himself says that He is the way He says that He is the road He is the path and um, we we often think that that we can't uh, get on that path uh, because of, of what we've done and that is making too much about us and too little about who he is, the truth of who he is. So if people will get out of their own way like I had to, and uh if people will accept or understand that it, it wasn't the depth of my brokenness, it wasn't the depth of the, the the decisions, the bad decisions that I made uh for the next ten years as a result of my dad's death. It is it is completely about who he is and his invitation to us, then then they can see, yes, yes, Following him is possible. We're not disqualified because of uh, the pain that was painful choices that were done towards us, nor the painful choices that we've made. We are are invited simply because of who he is. And I I, I look at my my kids. I have three daughters, and and I don't think that any of them uh, could ever make a mistake that that, that that would make me think that they were my daughter. But I see how often I make mistakes. Where I disqualify myself from from uh, being a son, or 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 the level of relationship that Jesus wants, and that's the second part. There, I think f- the first thing we do is we disqualify that we don't think we ever could. But then we we compare ourselves, and it's really a toxic trait to to say um, I can't follow like this, or I can't know him like that, and so we disqualify ourselves from from the depth. Of relationship that we can have, and so I think the answer to your question is so many things. Whether we think that we're not spiritual enough or talented enough, or or that God couldn't use us because we're not gifted like so and so, there are lots of ways that 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 we disqualify ourselves. And again, that is where the incarnation, the human experience of Jesus. We can all all sit and go. Gosh, do you think God uh, was tempted, or Jesus was tempted like that when he was here? Did he think that he wasn't able? Um, Well, he must have at some point. And what was? How did he overcome that temptation to think less than? And how did he align himself to the truth of of who he is? And that's, I think, the power of the people of God is we get to remind ourselves not of who we fall into when we're isolated, but who we are reminded and who we can remind each other we can be when we're together.
2: Mm,
0: such good words. There's so many things I I want to ask you, but as we think about the Emmanuel and you've clearly experienced him, God with us, showing up to you in your life on those steps and, and forward, you you know, when you first started talking about the incarnation, you talked about this just ridiculous idea of God coming down from heaven and being with us. I'm curious every year at Advent, do you have some special personal way that you contemplate the Emmanuel every year? (laughs) Uh,
1: We've, we've tried, our family has tried uh, a, a, a couple different ways. Um, We have some uh, traditions that we uh, practice around uh, Christmas, but it's really more, uh, family oriented. Um, personally, we're reflecting, um, on, on the, the, the depth, the gospel truths in these songs that we're listening to. And, um, we've, we've taken a, a few different Advent, um, devotionals that we've done, uh, but we haven't found a regular rhythm around that. Um, I think we're still discovering, uh, kind of what works my wife and i you know we didn't grow up really uh this way so we're learning what it is to be parents with kids you know uh teenagers and an adult now that um uh that that are figuring this out together but no our rhythms we're we're kind of all over the board i wouldn't say we're um i don't know like we're we're the total example for uh (laughs) disciplines i ask a lot of people like what do you do and stuff so i'm i'm um yeah but I am I am um I am discovering that 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 ridiculous god in new ways it seems all all the time and, and again I I say ridiculous not as not not as an insult but like gosh I just can't believe like most Kings separate themselves from their subjects, but, but what Jesus offers is this invitation to know him as King. And, um, he, he, he doesn't stay distant. There's lots of ways God could have made himself known, but the fact that he comes and he's close and that he's near and, and all these invitational words that he uses, I'm still learning about and, uh, asking my friends like, Oh, have you seen this? And, and have you learned about this? And, um, I just, I just, um, I I I believe that I have been invited to, uh, on this path of grace to understand more of who he is and I I do love our family you know we we love Christmas we're we're decorating as soon as it's uh socially acceptable and probably pa- playing Chris, Christmas music a few weeks before that
0: <laughs> I love Derek that you keep sort of referring to God as ridiculous I know you mean like Majestic, supernatural, amazing, awesome. And I'm wondering if you ever thought, if you rewind all the way back to even the way you knew him on those steps years ago as a college age student and all the years of discovery of being blown away by this ridiculous God, does it ever like surprise you that there's this like never ending vat of just ridiculousness that you keep discovering about him?
1: uh I I'm surprised pretty frequently and um, I think so my wife and I Christina who you know and love is uh we we made this decision to be lifelong learners and um, so I feel like we're always discovering more about about God and um, I think I say ridiculous in a humble sense because I think at, at first I thought it was ridiculous that he would choose me. Um, and then, uh, and then it's kind of ridiculous that he would create this whole plan to use humanity, even though we 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 fail and we fall. And um, so, the greatness of of God to me is I continue to see all the incredible ways that God shows up, that God is incarnational, that God is present, that God is a healer, that God is a redeemer. In spite of the difficulty in the world around us and and the ways that we get it wrong, God is always true to his word. God is always faithful to who he said he would be. And, um, and I just find that more and more mysterious, more and more compelling, uh, more and more desirable uh, as as i learn more of who he is
0: Derek this ridiculous in a good way god just recently called you to make a sort of big step of faith do you want to let us in on what that's been like for you
1: yeah i um i've i've spent you know uh the better part of three decades helping people understand their their uh god-given identity and um and and i i had a little bit of uh gnawing in 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 the back of um uh, kind of my kind of my head a little bit uh, thinking through some things and um, first of all i've been part of an incredible faith community uh for that for that duration um i love my church i love the 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 place that i've I've gotten to, to serve and to work, but mostly it's, it's, it's my spiritual family. And, um, so I, I thought that I would be there until, uh, you know, until Jesus returns or, uh, until I passed away or until like some just off the wall, ridiculous, uh, ministry opportunity happened. And instead it was this, um, vulnerable whispering and, um, I would say Willow that I've learned to respond to um, these quiet whisperings, um, and 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 when it's vulnerable, it it feels um, kind of like I'm exposed. But but because I know that God loves me, and because I know that He's safe and that He's good, I've learned that I can trust Him, and so I I was invited to this step that felt. Well, honestly, completely um, surprising and um, in order to step into what I think uh, God has uh, for me in in the future. And so it was a step uh, to step away from this uh, very wonderful group of people and into um, something new. Uh, something different and something uh, still still unknown that's being being worked out a little bit. So I know that sounds ambiguous, and I know that sounds crazy, but basically, I'd say I stepped away from from um, a very secure job into a, a, an unknown future.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it might sound ambiguous because it might feel that way to you, and yet you're saying yes and stepping out and trusting God for what's next, even though you don't know what's next. When you're in this this kind of space that you're in, this is a huge space to leave the the role that you've had for decades, to leave the church staff, all of those things. How do you... How do you practice reminding yourself of what you've seen to be true about this God who has shown up to you over and over again so that you can hang on to knowing that he will show up for you now in this time?
1: Well, I, um, I've i actually found some, some um, unexpected grace. So um, I feel like uh, in the unknown, God is... Uh, pretty close. And, um, but I think that, 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 that he's close. And I was thinking like, okay, how, how would that translate to everyone listening? I think God feels closest when we are being our truest self. And so there, there is something that he's wired and gifted me for that. I am going to be able to live out now. If you know, Ephesians four, it talks about apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. And I was in a little bit of a, a shepherd teacher role and I'm wired a little bit more like an apostle prophet. And, um, that those are the entrepreneurs. Those are the starters. Those are the instigators. And I, I feel like, I'm being invited to, to start and instigate new works, whether it's planting new churches or, or bringing, bringing churches and business leaders and nonprofits together. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm in a place where, where I, uh, am going to be that ty- doing that type of work, but, but. I feel what's transferable is I think when we all get into that place where we're doing what God created us for, something feels right. Where when we're um, maybe maybe not not responding to the ways that God had gifted us, or we're not using the gifts that He's given us, um, something something feels off. So um, my answer to that question is it feels a little closer now because I feel like I'm I'm. I'm lining up my gifting a a little bit better, if that makes sense.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I'm very excited to see the way that God shows up to you and your family in this time. He has been so faithful and ridiculous to you. So I'm (laughs) excited for for the, the ridiculous chapters ahead. Yeah, yeah. Derek, how can people connect with you who are hearing this podcast and want to follow what you're up to?
1: Uh well I'm I'm on the socials. I try to be uh active there. And um so my handle is at Dub Daredub, D-A-R-E-D-U-B. And um that's pretty much me everywhere. And um that's short for Derek W. Uh had a family where we all had the the uh the same initials, uh first and last initials. So I went by Derek middle initial, so that's Daredub. Um so you can get me uh, anywhere at Dub.
0: Nice. I like it. I don't know if you know this, but people call me Dub Dub. Yeah. So we have something in common.
1: Double Dub. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. Good dubs.
0: Thank you so much for hanging out today.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I really hope uh, everyone listening can understand what an incredible opportunity uh, it is to to know that Jesus is with you. He was with you in your 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 moment of, of greatest defining pain, the moment that you define yourself in, in in your weakest moment and brokenness, and God will redeem all that in ridiculous ways and invite you into an incredible future with him.
0: Amen. Thank you.
1: Amen. Thank you.
0: Hey, friend, I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed having it. It was so powerful to hear Derek's personal story. And it was so easy to resonate with the reasons why he felt shame and why he felt anger and why he felt like he couldn't follow Jesus. That idea of, I could never be a follower of Jesus because, and for him, it was because he'd have to forgive his dad. And what a powerful moment that he had on those stairs. I love that we have this ridiculous God— who will meet us even in that kind of place? And the, the audacity Derek had as someone who he even said he wasn't following Jesus at the time, but he just said, God, put my dad on the line. What a, what a powerful, bold prayer. And the way that God so tenderly met him in that moment of surrender and forgiveness and beautifully kept showing up in Derek's life and has used Derek now to impact so many other people's lives. What an inspiring story. I hope that whatever's going on in your life, whatever reason you might find yourself sitting on some stairs struggling, and calling out to God, my very biggest hope for you this Christmas season is that you would sense Him showing up for you wherever you're at, and that you would know that you are beloved, that He loves you, and He wants to send shame packing and unforgiveness packing, and all the things that keep you from fully knowing Him and knowing peace and experiencing wholeness a friend this Christmas. May you collide with this ridiculous, amazing God. We'll catch you
2: next week.